And now we continue in verse 32, as we said, although, besides, and for your information is what it means, they once knew these things, not only the Gentile world, but the Jews had ordinances and laws and stuff. So the Gentiles and sinners, that God was displeased with those who practice such things and are worthy of death. But God's judgment is spiritual death. That's at the end. Not only it leads to natural death, he says, you do the same thing. And you not only applaud it, you approve it. Those practicing these sins, you do the same thing. So what makes you any different? We could say, as we'll get into later, as today the entertainment world does this, magnifies perversion and sexual sins and entertains people by their gross sins. They love it. They approve of it. They have no shame for sins. They have become more darker and darker, and they magnify things that say are not sinful, that the Bible says they are, just because they agree on it. It is going to do them a bit of good at Judgment Day. There they're going to be horrified when everything they did, every item will come up. Every idle word, they'll be punished in hell forever. For trillions of centuries, isn't that hard to believe? They won't even know what time is. It will be an eternal torment and punishment forever. So they're not getting away with anything. So he's making it clear. He is speaking to Jews who knew these things, who had the law. So some of the Jewish Christians in the Roman church thought they were better than the Gentiles. And it's implying that some of them weren't living up to their privileges. And so they were worse off. And the same with professing Christians. They speak against the Jews, oh, we've got Christ, you don't, this, that. And if they weren't living it, they were just as bad as the Jews were. So he wasn't interested. So that's what it means, I'm going to preach the gospel. Because there's people in your church who are false, and he commended the Roman church for being good as a whole. But like in all the churches, there's always heresies creep in. There's always false teaching. So he's making an apostolic statement here. You don't care who you are and how much you name Jesus' name. If you live this way, you're in danger of hellfire eventually. The lake of fire, which will be the total hellfire. Those who delight in sin's pleasure and watching others are as guilty as they are. So that's why the Christian today has to watch what he watches on TV, what he watches at movies. If he enjoys the entertainment of other people sinning, he's actually in a worse state. You see this happen. I've counseled people, guys, mainly guys, when it comes to pornography, they don't watch it outside and they don't go anywhere and they go to church and then they spend two hours a day watching it on the internet where nobody sees them. Well, God sees them, and he's going to judge them worse than he is the ones in the entertainment field because the hypocrite gets the greater damnation. So the Christian has to be careful. All things are neutral in themselves. Nothing wrong with the TV, nothing wrong with alcohol, nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with sex and marriage, but anything Transgression means you go beyond what is permissible. 
then you go beyond it and you break the law. They become lawlessness. And that Jesus is going to name the masses of Christianity and say, you are workers of lawlessness. You didn't have the law of God or law of Christ, yet they were saying, Lord, Lord. Uh Uh-huh. I repeat many things many times because it's the time that we live in. I've had many people, why don't you teach it? I said, because you're not listening to what I'm teaching you. You're already in sin and you want me to teach you mysteries of the Bible. Well, God doesn't want you to have them. If you know you're in known sin and rebelling against God, don't read your Bible unless you're going to read the part about repentance because you make yourself a worse hypocrite. See? But the ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. No, a true teacher, a preacher, if the people aren't listening, he's happy if they leave. He's not responsible for them. If they're not going to heed the word and put it into practice, he don't need the numbers. The numbers will send him to hell. God could care less about the numbers. And the time we live in, the most people are in the majority are in sin. And so we want a response. You don't want to pacify people. If they're not going to listen to the truth, don't give them no more. God doesn't. So Peter said, I know you know these things, but I'm repeating them. I'm reminding you, and I'm writing this letter for when I'm dead, you'll have something to remind you. But he said, I know you already know these things. Prophets usually already came with the law had already been established. They just reestablished it and told the people where they'd erred. So a teacher's in the body of Christ and prophets in the scripture the New Testament, they are mainly to deal with Christians, to keep them from falling away, to show them how to stand with the Lord against warfare, how to stand against, how to run the race, how not to go back into the world. In the dark age we live in, there's going to be a falling away. We ain't talking about the masses that aren't even Christian and who are saying, Jesus, Jesus is my Lord. We're talking about some who've followed the Lord and then they go back into the world for deception or for the pleasures of sin. Okay? So we need to understand this. So he's saying, you're not going to be excused. He's making it clear. You Jews or you professing Christians, if you live this way, then you're going to experience the wrath of God, that you're not a Christian. Oh, you may not have been or you may have been. But if you live this way, as Paul kept saying, people don't like to hear, three main times he said it. He said, I've told you with tears before. He said, I've warned you, don't let no one lie to you. And you know this is the truth. If you practice these sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say if you confess Jesus as your savior. He doesn't say if Jesus appeared to you and told you how wonderful you were. He says, if you practice these sins, you will not make it to heaven. Why? Because you're not a Christian. See, that's the people who don't make it to heaven is the sinner and the non-Christian. And when you sin, you become a non-Christian. If you are one, if you remain in gross sin. I know it's hard for people, but oh, I used to counsel when people tell me they've been in fornication for three years and yet they're a Christian, you're a liar. You have a lying spirit. They'll, poof, they'll hang that phone up and they'll call another counselor that will pacify them. 
I said to myself, and that counsel, sometimes I hear him talking. I said, he's going to a deeper hell for lying to the person. So if a person's in gross sin and claims to be a Christian, you challenge him. You say, I doubt that. I doubt that because the scripture says you can't be. Very simple. See, and that's the lies of many ministers. God will excuse it. No. Sanctification. He's working on us for the minor perfections and certain things that eventually become greater sin. But he will not tolerate lying, murdering, stealing, fornication, adultery. If you're living in those, you are no longer a Christian. Very simple. If you fall into any of these, you better repent quickly. Because if you don't, Peter tells us swift destruction will come upon you. Why? The Holy Spirit will withdraw. He won't tolerate you defiling his temple. He said if you defile his temple, he will destroy you. And he's not talking about just physical death. He'll spiritually destroy you. He won't dwell in that person anymore. Okay? So people say, oh, that's hard. Well, that's the gospel. And Jesus said, "Very, it's a difficult way, and few there be that find it. So wake up. We live in dark times, and it's getting darker out there, okay? Those who delight, we said, in the sins and pleasures of others are guilty as they are. And actually, if they're a Christian and fall, they become a hypocrite. Hollywood, entertainment, TV, and so forth do this. They give the world of sinners what they want. Oh, the person might be a citizen and morally upright, wouldn't do these things outwardly, but he sure enjoys watching people do them. See, he's a hypocrite. He's going to end up in a deeper hell than the ones that are actually doing it. And he doesn't know that. See, he's playing with sin. He's a hypocrite. The word hypocrite means actor. He's acting the part of a Christian, but inwardly he's not living it. Jesus said, what goes into the body doesn't make a person sinful, what comes out of the soul. And he says, adultery, fornication, lying, murder, stealing. He said, that's what defiles a man because it's inside him. So we have a lot of moral people that are just as wicked as what they're watching, okay? So those who name the name of the Lord, Paul said, depart from evil. That's too hard to understand. Another time he says, and you who sin, sin no more. That's not hard to understand. And all the false shepherds are excusing their sins. And you're covered by grace in the blood. No, you're not. Hebrews says, if you willfully sin after having the knowledge of the truth, then remains no more sacrifice. As long as you're in that gross sin, you're not sacrificed. The blood of Christ does not cleanse you. He doesn't help you. It's only as you repent and confess. That's the only way the high priest can help you. Otherwise, he doesn't. He withdraws eventually. He judges. See, that's the gospel nobody wants to hear. And that's why most of the people here in the gospel, so-called, reject it, and they're going to end up in the lake of fire. See, Jesus already told us this, so do not be surprised. When Peter said how hard it is for rich people to get out of it, and then he said, well, how many, not going to be many saved? And Jesus says, no. He said, few there be that find it. Few means very little compared to the majority. So what is he saying? 
the majority on the Broadway destruction, and they will be lost, and they are responsible for being lost. Okay, not the false teacher alone. He just encourages it. Nobody's going to stand in hell and say, well, my teacher was a false teacher. Well, you believed him. You deserve it. You didn't have to. You could have searched the scripture. Your conscience could have enlightened you, if you but you liked hearing the lies. So you're going to the same place he's going. So if they're practicing outwardly gross, and we call it gross sin to distinguish, and many things we offend all, we fail sometime during the day. We might say a, a word to somebody that shouldn't have been said. A thought may come. And that's why Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And Peter said, oh, I'll not let you wash my feet. And Jesus said, then you have no part of me. Then Peter said, well, you can give me a bath. You can baptize me. And Jesus said, he's that baptized does not need to be baptized again. Why? Because he's saved, he's walking in the Spirit, but he needs his feet washed daily because in this corrupt world, we pick up these things. And sometimes sin enters and we have to confess it and deal with it. If it goes a little further, we get punished for it. And if we don't listen to the punishment, we get cut off. That's how the process works. So he's talking about gross sin here. He's not talking about a lot of minor things, like you say. James says, there are many things we offend everybody. And he said, if you don't offend with your mouth, you're a perfect person. Well, really, if you can't talk and you're deaf, you can still offend people by your actions. But he's making a general statement that the tongue is the most sinful part of the person when he exposes it to the world. If you don't open his mouth, nobody gets any evil or good, does he? Okay. So we're seeing this, that if you watch movies and TV and stuff, fine. But you know there's a great invention. A lot of people don't know it. It's called the, the knob on the TV or the button you push. See, if you can't control what you watch, get rid of your television. Over 50 years I've been a Christian, I've gotten rid of three of them. And then after a while, the Lord says, you can try it again if you think you can control it. And so I can control it. And if it gets to where I think I can't, I get rid of it again. Okay? So we're seeing that the people enjoy these sins, even if they don't participate in them. They're like watching it. They are hypocrites. So they shall receive the greater damnation. And the person they think so horrible, yet they sit there and glorify watching it. Isn't that amazing? So we're seeing that. Jesus said, so we know there are degrees of punishment and reward. And he said, the hypocrite will receive the greater damnation. The one who acts like a Christian but doesn't live it, God sees. And he says, well, you know, he'd rather form even the church of Laodicea. Some of them are playing the hypocrite. And what did he say? You're neither hot or cold. And he said, I will vomit you out of my system because you're neither one. See, you're playing the field. He says, you're a hypocrite. You're two-faced. You're double-minded. He says, so I'll throw you out. It means you were once a part of him, and now you're not a part of him. You're no longer in Christ, because you make him sick to his stomach. Okay? That's what it means. Now, see, the ministers may not see who they are in secret. God sees who they are. 
And once in a while, he chooses to expose some. I remember years ago when I was counseling, I had a word of knowledge and I said something to a person and I thought they were going to hang the phone up. And then they started confessing all their sins and nobody knew about it. And what I said, I didn't even know about it, but he knew it and it convicted him. And then he repented and he got right with the Lord again. But see, God can't expose it. Sometimes he leaves it alone and lets it deceive people. That's his process. He can show mercy or he can harden according to what the person's had. So again, before we go on, it used to be until we had the remotes and everything, we had the TV knobs. And if something got, you didn't like it, you just went over there and turned it off. See, you had control of it. It didn't control you. You can watch animal program and nature programs and some things you can watch. But you can't watch the Playboy channel. You can't watch perverse things. Uh, common sense. A person should have some common sense here. So that's why I never tell people they can't watch TV or they can't do this. Or they can. I said that's according to what you do with it. That's between you and God. The mature Christian has more liberty than the baby Christian because his conscience is not trained. So he can't do certain things because he don't know if it's right or wrong. And Paul says, then don't do it. If you do it and you don't know, you've sinned, whether it's a sin or not. See, their conscience must be enlightened and trained. Otherwise, don't do it. So if you think it's sinful not to go to church on Sunday, it's sinful for you. See? And most professing Christians think it is. I have the mind, I don't believe it. I believe every day is the same. But if they think it's a sin and you're a young Christian, you better keep doing it until you see the truth in the scripture, until you get the revelation. Don't presume because I don't do it and get away with it that you can do it. It don't work that way. Whatever is not of faith is sin, is presumption, and God does not like that. You don't play a guessing game when it comes to sin, okay? So we see all things in themselves, anything in the world, alcohol, money, sex, we could name many things, TV, many things, they are neutral in themselves. They have no good in them or no bad in them. We say they're pure in themselves, they're natural. It is how they are used that makes them sinful or sanctified. Paul gives an illustration with those coming out of the occult that still wouldn't eat certain things. And then other Christians, they would buy their food in the marketplace. And in the Roman marketplace, all the foods and items, when people brought them, they'd already offered them to their gods and asked them to bless them. And Paul said, don't ask no questions. Just leave it alone. But if you pray over it, you can eat it. But if that person confronts you and wants to argue, you don't eat it in front of him because you're challenging him. You're showing him you don't care for this God and you don't recognize him, so you don't appease him. But he said, all things, he said, if you pray over it, it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So when we eat it, it's pure. It don't matter what they did with it. It don't matter if you go down to the city market and some weird person has offered it to his demon first and then he comes and sells it. You're not responsible. As long as you pray over it, you're free from it. Can't have no harm to you because God don't recognize it anyway. Okay? So 
Uh, we see they're neutral. They're sanctified if they're used right by the Christian, and they're sinful if they're not used. The Bible says the love of money is a root of much evil. Many false shepherds, many misleading Christians and people of the world, they say that money is the root of all evil. The scripture does not say that. It says it's a root of many evils. See, that's what it says. But how can you help people? And how can you do good without money? How can you buy food for them? How can you help them along when they're in need if you don't have money? See, so you use it for good. People have more specialized ministry of showing mercy and gifts, and they have to use these things more and control them more than the average person does. It's not money itself. The improper use of it. Sexual desire between man and wife, the Bible says, is lawful and is holy in the marriage state. All other sexual relation, it names the word fornication, which includes adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, any other child molestation, pornography, you can add all the such like. It will send them to hell if they do those things. See, it's a transgression. They've transgressed. God's limit. You can go so far in this and no further. When you go further, as I've said before, it's like the child that is told, do not go on the street or you'll get a spanking. And they go right up to the curb and they watch you. And eventually they have to step their foot real quickly in the street. And then they'll surprise when the parent spanks them. And then the next time they won't go as close to the curb because he knows what he's going to get. See, he's transgressed the law. He has been warned, okay? Ephesians, I hope I wrote this scripture right. Sometimes I mix them. Ephesians 5, so all things, again, are lawful. Faith, and verse 6, being circumcised not has counseled nothing in the kingdom of God, but faith working through love. Faith working. So, again, He's in perfect agreement with James. Faith without works is dead. You can't have faith if it isn't working. And if it's to be exercised, it should be in love, not for the wrong reasons. See, that's what he's talking about, okay? But further, Paul says, don't let no one tell you otherwise. Don't let no one deceive you. If you do these kinds of sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he'll say, but, and do you practice the same thing? See, that's going to be the questions. So there's no ifs, ands, and buts. The false teachers, sheep, the shepherds, and the false teachers that go out of their way. I have seen more false pastors and sheep. The person tells them he's in gross sin, and, you know, he excuses it. I've seen people go down to an altar of a church and say, I'm not saved anymore. And the pastor talks to him and says, you are, you haven't done nothing. See, he's lying to him because he's teaching. He's going to be doubly cursed by God. The poor man feels his guilt and feels he's lost his walk with the Lord. And he's trying to tell him, oh, you're okay. See, that's a false shepherd. If you believed in eternal security, I've told him that. Even the pastors that believe it. I said, if you really believe that, even the people who sin, you should at least warn them God can judge them and bring wrath on them in this world. 
They don't even bother doing that. See, because they don't believe there's no punishment. They have a license to sin. You can see where those shepherds are going. So some are very moral, outwardly say, but filled with lust and perversion and secrets. If you're not going to live before the Christ in a holy manner, we have to sort of be like Paul said, if there's no afterlife, which the Sadducees and some of them are taught, no wonder they could be thieves and covetousness and so forth. They didn't think there'd be no consequences. They could weasel money out of the widows and they became rich, the Sadducees, by being corrupt, taking the temple money for themselves beyond what was legitimate. You can imagine the hell they're going to. But Paul says, well, if there's no afterlife, I'm not going to do all this suffering. He names the suffering. He said, I wouldn't do all of this for nothing. He said, if there's not an afterlife, what did he say? Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and party. Set it up, because you're going to die anyway. And then immediately he says, people of corrupt manners, be careful what they say. Because see, they're lying. There is an afterlife. There is an accountability, not only for rewards, but for punishment, okay? So he's warning. If you want the pleasures of sin, there is a consequence. One day, Moses, it's, Scripture says that he forsook the pleasures of Egypt for the suffering and affliction of serving God. That's what it implies. He counted it as nothing. He gave up being a prince of Egypt. And all of the power went with it to go with these rebellious people. But he was honored by God, okay? Chapter 2, as we've said many times, the chapters are sometimes placed in the wrong places, but at least we can divide the scripture. But they're not in the original scrolls, okay? Therefore, see, he's continuing the statement I've just told you. I'm not starting a new thought here. What does he say? He said, therefore, you have no excuse. He's talking mainly to the Jews, but we can include the professing Christian. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself these things. He said, but you practice these such things. He says, but you're doing them. So what is he talking about? Like we say, he's, we could say today he's wanting to professing Christian. Do you tell people they're not to do this? What are you doing? Or once saved Christians, I call it, you're without excuse. So he's saying your judgments, the Jews of the Gentiles, is evil and hypocrisy as you yourself practice the same sins, and you have more truth and knowledge. So he said, what do you think you're going to answer for? See, they must think God doesn't know these things. God's spiritual principle is to much is given, much is required. The more grace extended, more punishment comes later. That's the justice of God. Okay? People need to understand that. Verse 2. And we know. Now, he makes this statement. When he talked about all the sins before and in his other epistle, he said, you know that people who live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, know this. He doesn't say you should know. He says, you know this. If you live this way. And he says, and don't let no one lie to you. <laughs> he knew what they were going to say, the, the ultra once saved, always saved liars. Oh, you have a license to sin and so forth. He said, don't let them deceive you. If you do this, you'll go to hell. That's what he's saying. 
because you won't make it to heaven. There ain't no other place you're going, and there is no purgatory. People think they're in purgatory. It's never going to end. They're actually in hell by mistake, okay? And he says, his judgment, you know that the judgment of God justly falls upon those who practice such things. He's talking about the present tense. See, his judgment's not just when he judges a person judgment day or cuts them off. He said, we told you the judgment, so he'll delude you. He'll let a demon deceive you. He'll turn you over to him. He'll withdraw his spirit. See, that's part of his judgment against these sins. So the Jew and the professing Christian knows the judgment of God comes on those who practices such things. That includes the whole bag. God's wrath and anger is on them now. He's not waiting for judgment day. Again, read it. Read it often. People get tired of it, and that's why they backslide. They only read the promises taken out of context and pleasant things. Oh, I have people tell me, well, I don't want to hear a good word. I only want to hear a good prophecy. And I tell them, I say, well, you're going to end up in hell. And they look so surprised because you can't pick and choose God's word. That is not your ability. You don't give the whole counsel of God. And that's why Apostle James said, and not many of you should become teachers, for we shall receive a stricter judgment. Mm -hmm. And the false teacher shall receive the deeper hell along with the Pharisee. Okay? God's not going to forget it. So Ephesians 5, 6 and 7. We just said it. It's worth repeating. Paul repeats it several times. Let no one lie to you. He's talking to the Christian. Not no one to give you a false understand. Oh, I've had him tell me, well, that don't read those who are not all born again because they're once saved, always saved. I've had him tell me this. I laugh in the face and say, well, you're on your way to hell. And, and most likely you're not going to be enlightened because you're so deep in it and you're deceiving other people. And sometimes God says, do no good or say no good toward them because I'm deceiving them. See, so there's a time and place. You don't speak good for people. The notorious sinner and false shepherd. Alexander the coppersmith, Paul said, he did me much evil. May God reward him according to his works. What was his works? They were evil. He didn't ask God to show mercy on him. See, there's a time and place for certain things. And apostles and prophets and teachers can use more authority at times. When in question, you show grace. But when you have the facts, you go by the facts. Sometimes God will, in the past, people want to talk to me about, well, I won't talk to them. See, I already know them, and I know who they're dealing with, and I know they want to debate, and they want me to say something they can ignore, and then they can tell me their false, twisted scriptures. You know what I tell them? Oh, I don't care to discuss anything with you. And they, oh, they think, oh, isn't that terrible? And I thought, no, it's more terrible. You're going to the lake of fire. And I leave them alone. You leave them alone sometime. You don't mess with them. Jesus didn't answer certain people. He didn't give them answers. See, he knew the motives of their heart. As I've said many times, the center I used to work with when I did construction work in my youth, when I was in my teens and 20. Oh, they would try to bait me. They would come up and be real nice and say, well, where did Cain's wife come from? 
And I said, oh, she came from a cabbage patch. And they're so taken back. See, I'm not going to answer the fools. I'm not going to waste time with them. They don't want the truth. They want to argue and debate you and make you look stupid. Do not cast pearls before swine. I've done Bible studies where intellectual people will ask me something because they know they're smarter than me intellectually. But sometimes the Lord gives you wisdom and I say something to them and they never come back and I rejoice. Let's let them stay deceived. The fools. Paul called them fools. James called them fools. And called stupid, ignorant Christians. He called them fools at times. That's what uh, James did. He said, you say faith without works. You claim to be a Christian. He said, you're a foolish man. <laughs> so, you know, we need to stop coddling certain people. We can be patient with the young and the Lord. And they're sincere. We don't have to be with the hypocrites and those who don't want the truth and just want to argue. Don't waste no time for them. You don't owe them an answer. And you can insult the Lord by doing it. See, because the Spirit will say, keep your mouth shut. The Ezekiel, when he was uh, punishing through God's word, God said, I will cause your roof your mouth to cleave to the roof of your mouth, and you will not reprove them any longer, for they are a rebellious house. And then later he says, you shall speak no good to them. See, there's time and place. He had already spoken to them. He had already given them opportunity. And now he was given up on that generation and those leaders, and he was going to bring judgment on them. Okay, So we can do the same to certain people. And we can throw backsliders out of our fellowship if they don't repent and they're living in gross sins. We're not to coddle them. Oh, Jesus loves you. The wrath of God is on them because they don't love the Lord. They walk in darkness. Oh, they all, you have a, oh, you don't know I love the Lord. I said, well, the scripture says if you walk in darkness and say that you love God, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. I rest my case. You're just talking about moods and feelings and so forth have nothing to do with the truth. Okay, Ephesians 5 and 6. Well, I'll go mainly 6 and 7. Well, through the verse before, he says, you know this. I want you to know this. That's what he's saying. Let no one lie to you with empty words. It means it's not based on Scripture. For because of these things, these sins that people do, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So he says, those who are practicing all these sins that we've talked about, he said, the wrath of God is upon them. Okay? And what does he say in verse 7? It's a clencher. People don't like it. He's talking to Christians. Do not be partakers with them. He means if you continue, if you go back to these gross sins, the wrath of God will visit you because you'll no longer be his. That's why. See, the wrath of God is not on his own until they rebel and they're cut off. He chastens them. He punishes them. He corrects them. And Hebrew says it's grievous. He said, but it's produced holiness for without that. Now, the holiness means they stop their sinning. He said, no man will see God. See, so if they're not practicing holiness and righteousness, don't matter what they say, it's called empty words. Oh, Lord, Lord, but I love the Lord. Yeah, hundreds of millions are going to say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, you lawless people, curse to my father, and he's going to sign them to the lake of fire forever. 
You don't hear much of that preaching by the pastors today because they're people pleasers. And we have a lot of false shepherds. They better get out and become a plumber or a carpenter or a salesman, but they need to stay out of religion because they can be held more accountable. They're going to get a strict judgment. And you think if every idle word the wicked's going to account for, that's the minimum. Misleading people, deceiving people, condoning sin in people, how much greater do you think God's going to hold them accountable? Okay. So with Jews and professing Christians, God's wrath will come on you. When? Not when you die. Comes on you now. When you start doing these things. And God will allow the false preachers to give you a false peace. Oh, I'm saved. I'm just not going to get no rewards. And they st- they, the bunches don't bother them much. They go about living as if it's a happy world. They find their life. Jesus said they lose it eternally. See, they do what they want to do instead of what God wants them to do. They're not disciplined. They're not walking in probation. They're not warfaring against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh-huh. So they're not Christians. They find their life. See, they're looking to be happy. They're idolatrous. They worship what they want, okay? So we will, let me see where I'm at. Okay, we will stop now in the middle of verse 2, okay? We will continue in this in the next lesson. Lord, give us wisdom, give us practical understanding, cause us to see the truth and not be deceived, and not to minimize sin, to see it for what it is, that we be not deceived. In Jesus' name, amen.